I don't ride bikes. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> you don't walk much either. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> Welcome to episode 110 of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett, and with me is... The Phenomenal Lord Horst Glaze. Phenomenal, huh? Phenomenal. Who, who thinks you're phenomenal? <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> the minions do. Yeah? Yes. Everybody loves Horst Glaze. Well, that's true. Everybody does love Horst Glaze. But everybody seems to really, really love the sleaze. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> What's not to love? <laughs> I don't want to know. All right. Well, we have a very special guest on the show this week. What do you mean by special? Uh... Well, you, of course, are special every week. Oh, nice. <laughs> but we have somebody else on the show. Okay. Uh, Mr. Devin Kraft. I am Devin, king of the desert. King of the what? <laughs> king of the desert. I don't know. <laughs> like any desert. Choose one. I don't know. What I just deserts. nominated myself. The, the Arabian desert? The, what? Who? Sure. Never been there. <laughs> it's too hot. It's not up for voting. No? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you don't know Devin, uh, we've actually had him on the show a couple times. We've talked to him at different cons and whatnot. Uh, he's a... Really fun guy. We're happy to have him on. Uh, but he has a new book that's just come out on comicsology, and uh, we're going to talk to him about that a little bit later. But first, we got to get into this week's new comics. You're putting him on the back burner? Oh, we always yeah. talk about the new comics first. I Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> so, what no, are, put what me in the corner. Let's talk about comics. <laughs> Sit your ass in the corner and enjoy it. <laughs> what were your top two this week? Miguel? Hey, man, number two was Star Wars number 16 by Jason Aaron and Lionel Yu. It was good. Hello. Oh, I thought I said Lionel. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It's all about Dr. Afra again, you know. They locking her butt away in that freaking prison on the sun. Like, who the hell goes to a prison in the sun? How is that thing not burned up? <laughs> I'm j- I just want to know, seriously. I'm sure it's got radiation shielding. It, it's got has well, I don't they're like on top of it, dude, seriously. It's, it's made of solar panels. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, smart <laughs> yeah. ass. That's how it's powered. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. And it's really bright. How did I have cancer? <laughs> How did the people on the Starkiller so base not have, not have cancer? Don't ask, don't ask me questions. I'm just saying. She goes there, and she's being a smart ass. Like, my people are going to kill you. Don't you know who I work for? That's right. She works for Lord Vader. That's right. Who wants to kill her? Well, she doesn't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but people are coming to get her. Yeah. And the guy's like, this prison is like the greatest prison in the world. Hell, this is the Alcatraz of the space. Nobody can get in here. Nobody can break in. And meanwhile, people are breaking in. That's freaking hilarious. But the side story is pretty funny because Luke and Han – out there doing some stuff with the money that uh, the uh, rebels... A bunch of rebellion credits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Han is like trying to double it, <laughs> and he loses it, and they, you see them running around like, ah, what are we going to What are we gonna do? Because there's always somebody needs something smuggling. <laughs> it's just great. I love Star Wars, man. It's The book is so good, and it's stuff that I don't know nothing about, and you know, it's between movies here and there. And it's just really good. And it's cool, you know, the new movie just came out, and you know, we've gone so far into the future with it, whatever, but it's still good to to go back to the old ones. Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's it's classic and it's never gonna never gonna wear off. Jason Aaron's doing a great job writing and the voice of the characters from the original trilogy. And it's like you said, I cannot help myself reading it and hearing their voices. Mm-hmm. I will always hear Harrison Ford. <laughs> no matter, you know what? Get off my plane! Oh, wrong movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I enjoyed it a lot. It wasn't quite good enough to be in my top three, but I liked it. Uh huh. So what was your number two? <laughs> my number two was actually Deadpool and Cable split second number three. 
from Fabian Nicheza and Riley Brown. Bless you. So this is a really complicated time travel story. Um, in the previous issues, which I read the whole series yesterday, uh, Deadpool is put in this position where he's fighting against this guy who's hopping through time. And they can't fight him because he just keeps sliding around all over the place. He's jumping through time and space. Cable can't predict where he's going to go. Deadpool can't predict where he's going to go. And it turns out that this guy developed this time-jumping suit because his son died. And he keeps trying to go back in time to save his son. But he blames Cable for his son dying. So he keeps trying to kill Cable in all these different realities. Because every time you alter time, you basically fork it. And then one you time, what? <laughs> you fork the timeline. Whoa! <laughs> fork that timeline. <laughs> and there's your. <laughs> <laughs> so like one timeline continues where it's supposed to be, and the other timeline splits off, and that's what could have happened if you know something, some event had not occurred. So they're going across all these different timelines, and they keep disrupting it further and further. And Cable starts to you know lose his shit because he's so deeply connected to the the time, because you know he's a man out of time. He's always gone back and forth. He's like the one character in Marvel that's always been a time jumper, sort of. Yeah. So he starts to develop this tumor in his head, and it keeps getting bigger and worse and worse the more they fight this guy. And Deadpool's being funny because he keeps trying to save everybody in this scenario, and it's like Groundhog Day. Like, nice. he uses the same scenario over and over again, and he starts to learn how to predict exactly where the guy's going to appear and who he can save. And he keeps, every time he saves somebody, somebody else dies. So he can never get it to work out right. Well, eventually he manages to kill the guy, and the guy disappears, like, in his last second. And this uh, Time Warden or whatever shows up and says, look, you're the only person who can stop this guy from causing these problems. Here's a magic sword. (laughs) And uh, here's a time-jumping suit so you can go after the guy and try to rectify the timeline. And the only way you can do that is to go back and kill Cable. Because Cable is the center of all these things. If you can kill him, then it'll satisfy what the guy was trying to do and reset the timeline. So Deadpool's like, why would I want to kill Cable? I'm not going to kill him. Like, he's, he's my best friend. Like, I'm not going to kill Cable. So instead of doing that, he keeps going back into time and places where Cable was supposed to die and saving him. And that seems to have the exact same effect. <laughs> so every time he saves Cable, it kind of rectifies the timeline a little bit. Uh-huh. And then you find out the guy that was causing the problems in the beginning was Deadpool in the time jumping suit. Nice. So, like, one version of Deadpool accepted the mission to kill Cable, and the other version of Deadpool decided to save Cable. So they were really fighting each other. <laughs> It's extremely convoluted, extremely complicated timeline story, but uh, it's really funny. It's some of the best, like, jokey Deadpool stuff I've seen in a while, and I just, I really enjoyed it. Fork it good! Yeah. Do, 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 do. You can fork it! <laughs> that, was, that was my number two. Uh, what was your number one? You freaking weirdo. I'm pretty sure we have the same one here. Number one, Harley 25, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, and Chad Harton, man. Is it Harley? Is it about motorcycles? No, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Yeah, you didn't say that. You, I don't have to ever <laughs> say her last name. People know when I mention Harley what I'm talking about. Not everybody knows. I don't ride bikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> you don't walk much either. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, man. Love Harley Quinn. It was, it was a great, great issue. Um, this really kind of satisfies the whole uh, Joker thing. Because she breaks back into Arkham to release her boyfriend. This was my number one as well. Uh-huh. Um, her ex-boyfriend or whatever, the guy that got wrongly arrested for trying to protect her. Yep. She breaks into Arkham to save him. But they forget she had Poison Ivy's help, too. Right, she had the help from Poison Ivy and some of her, like, minions and whatever, and they ended up stealing some stuff from Batman, and even he was kind of on board with them doing this, which <laughs> is really was, odd. Batman was funny. <laughs> but it turns out that her boyfriend's cage is right next to Joker's. The Joker. And Joker's been feeding him all kinds of nonsense about what a bad person Harley is, and that, you know, he's better than that, and... She ends up 
instead of just walking away from him and leaving him to rot, she ends up going in his cage and confronting him head on. And you get to see this knockdown drag out fight between Harley and Joker, uh, kind of a, a finalizing kind of thing about their whole relationship where she's like, you know, you meant something to me once, but I'm not going to be your, your bitch anymore. You're not going to push me around. You're not going to tell me what to do. She's like, you mean something to me. Yeah. You're always going to mean something to me, but fuck you. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're an asshole and she beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Well, actually it was a good fight. He, he, he beat her up a little bit, and he was talking shit the whole time, and she held her own and took him down. It was really good. Yeah, I was pleased to see her finally walk away from him. Hurt my heart to see her kind of getting beat and up. Away. <laughs> this was probably one of Chad Harden's best issues as far as art goes, too, because uh -huh. I haven't really seen him do Joker yet. This is the first time we've seen him do that, and mm -hmm. I really like his take on the character. And they get the bat, and they get the bat boat, and Batman's like, really, Ivy? Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was really good. Um, definitely one of the best issues of the entire Harley Quinn run. Uh, I recommend checking it out for sure if you're a Harley fan. Um, even if you're just a Joker fan, it gives a little bit of closure to that relationship. So it's kind of nice to see that. Can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I always enjoy all my Harleys. This is the first time I think it actually made my... I don't think it's ever been in our top three. I think Harley number one might have been a pick of the week when it first started. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's never been. This is the first time it's actually, and it's number one. I mean, it's always kind of funny, but it's never as good as the other stuff we read. I think the whole thing with her and the Joker is probably what put it over the top. I agree. It was really good. What about you, Devin? Have you read anything recently that you want to yeah, talk about? Yeah, so I keep up with a few titles. I'm more, like, I skew more towards Image, and I'm a few issues off. As far as stuff I'm, like, super, super jazzed about, like, um, I was actually going through, like, recent releases on Comixology, um, the stuff that I'm mainly jazzed about these days, really loving. Are you guys reading Southern Bastards? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Southern Bastards, each issue, I'm just like blown away. Um, cause usually, so like, like the way I kind of read comics is usually I'm like a first volume guy. Cause like usually the meat and grizzle of like the story, the artist and author wanted to tell is in like the first volume or so. Mm -hmm. And it's rare that I get to go on. Like it's rare that I'm like, okay, I like this story. I'll keep going. Like I have a whole shelf of image volume ones <laughs> um, and a very few books or books where I'm like, okay, this guy has a story that I want to keep going and listening to. Mm -hmm. um, but Southern bastards has done it for me. Saga's done it for me. Sex criminals. Um, they've got like a whole roster of just amazing stories that I just keep, uh, I'm keeping up with rumble. I'm kind of fading a little on the story, but I love the art. I, I love too. stuff. Yeah, it's so good. John Arcudi. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm kind of, it's, for some reason, it occupies this weird blind space for me because I've been watching Gravity Falls, and, like, the guy's friend in Rumble reminds me of Seuss, so I'm like, oh, I'd just rather watch Gravity It's weird. <laughs> it's an unfair uh, comparison, but... Um, sex criminals, eh? Oh, sex criminals. Love and sex criminals. The Dildo Police is coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nope. so hilarious. Chip Zdarsky is just constantly, like, I don't know, it, like, even, even in his life, like, he has such, like, such a cool kind of... Meta postmodern <laughs> approach to comics that I'm just constantly cracking up with the the hijinks he's doing, you know. Yeah, the, the whole Zdarsky con or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Zdarsky con. I mean, he's very he's very much an artist, not just a comic book artist, but like he lives his life like it's a piece of art. Yeah, and, and so humorous too. Yeah, like that's what's that's what's great. Everything he does, I follow him on Facebook, and I'm just always watching, and I'm like, I'm like, that's so meta. Like they they just have they have a book that they're having fun with, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying the heck out of that. Um, let's see, keeping up with Saga, I'm trying to think, so my roommate actually hits the comic store, I'm more of a trade guy, and my roommate hits the comic store every week, so he always brings back, brings back Walking Dead, I've been checking out, um, Goddess, I think? Is oh yeah, uh, is it Goddess or is it Monstrous? Monstrous, Monstrous, yeah. I was gonna, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, I've checked out Monstrous, and I love the art, kind of iffy on the story. I feel the same. 
Yeah. Um, trying to think. I have Tokyo Ghost to like. I'm a few issues back on Tokyo Ghost. I feel I feel kind of the opposite about that. Like I really like the story, but the art doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> Interesting. I, I felt like he was going. Uh, Remender was going kind of. Uh, uh, Morrison-y up front. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I kind of agree. Like, I, I really like Sean Gordon Murphy, but sometimes, like, it's the same shapes. Like, once you know his stuff, it's like the same flavor, kind of. And it's a very, very well-crafted flavor and everything. But yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm having trouble. Like, I'm letting... I feel that like I've p- seen it before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's beautiful. Like, he's he's unquestionably incredible. It's just one of those deals where it's like, I've read enough of his titles to know what, what I'm looking for, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, here's a really gorgeous motorcycle. Here's a really gorgeous set of block buildings, you know? Um, I don't know. It's weird. He's like, he's a master craftsman, but like once you acclimate to the flavor. It can become stale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. And I, I think it's subjective. Like, I think there's other artists that I like that people would be like, oh, this person's become stale. And I'm like, ah, he gets me every time, you know? But, <laughs> I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love Frank Quietly. I'm sure someone could accuse Frank Quietly of the same thing, but like, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've got like I've got right now it feels like most of the stuff stacking up. Oh, low, love and low. Low is really good. The story is uh yeah. it started <laughs> so good and then it just kind of lulled for a little while and then it got really good again. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting comic. I reread the first issue like four times, I think, which I've never done, but like I I I think I my roommate picked up the issue. I read it in the Image First collection, then I picked up volume 1. And like it just it took me so many times to figure out like and then I think what clicked for me was somewhere uh, um, who's the writer again who's the author uh, Remender's the writer I think is it Remender okay it is Remender yeah, so Remender had the artist I believe yes great oh, I love Greg Tucci's <laughs> stuff but like like he uh, there was like a thing there's a blurb on the back that kind of explained the premise of the book and once I knew what I was looking for I was like oh it's kind of like a Johnny Quest where you know all the guys get in trouble kind of and I was mm-hmm. like okay this kind of makes sense. Uh, once I knew the byline, I knew kind of how to. But like Tocini's art's kind of ethereal, and it, it's kind of hard to peg down what's going on in a lot of scenes and stuff. Yeah, he's it's a gorgeous book. That's beautiful. Yeah, you can never but accuse him of being stale. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's one like like those are the ones I'm kind of keeping up with. Um, Southern Bastards is one though, and and Walking Dead. Like there's a few few comics in like Saga. Once I get those, those are the first ones I go through. What no um, nail biter? I haven't read Nailbiter. Tell me about it. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm reading like everything but Nailbiter. It's one, of my, I, it's one of my absolute favorite series. I mean, I read everything that you've just talked about. Uh, yeah. But Nailbiter is probably my favorite of all the image books. What's uh, it about? It's written by Josh Williamson. It's a horror okay. book about a serial killer named uh, Edward Warren who, whenever he would kill somebody, he would eat their nails. <laughs> okay. And that was his whole thing. And that's how he got caught <laughs> because he would, you know, his DNA was left on the nails of people. And they arrest him. And it turns out he's from this small town called Buckaroo where okay. there's a long history of serial killers being born there. Oh, yeah, it gets warped. And he was the 16th Buckaroo Butcher. There was 15 huh. serial killers that came out of the small town before him. Huh. So this FBI task force, led by these two people, was sent there to investigate and try to figure out why so many serial killers are coming out of the small town. And the lead detective on the case goes missing. So his best friend comes in there to try to help the detective who's left figure out what's going on. And it turns out that there is something that's causing all these people to become serial killers, and there's like this whole shadowy thing that's going on underneath the city that nobody really knows about. But the detective who disappeared was exposed to all of it and figured out exactly what's going on. But when they find him, he's become a quadriplegic. Like the butchers caught him, cut off all of his limbs, and just left him there. Huh. And uh, they save him. They save his life. He goes into a coma. They, they bring him out of it. And they're getting ready to interview him to find out 
what exactly is going on, what caused all this to happen. And then one of the girls who's helping the detectives just snaps and all of a sudden she becomes a killer. And oh, just, yeah. Just stabs him a hundred times until he dies. Oh, geez. So uh, Williamson's doing a great job of really just leaving a lot of red herrings and leaving a lot of trails that, that might make you think what's causing the serial killers to be born. But uh, there's no real answer yet. And it's just it's the journey more about the, the destination, I think. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, if you like serial killer stuff, and you like horror books, it's one of the best out there. Okay. I'll check it out. I, I saw an image first, and I was kind of I was kind of iffy on the art, but it looked interesting. So, yeah, check I really it out. Like it, yeah, cool. Cool. Well, it sounds like Devin reads a lot more books than I thought he did. <laughs> no, no, no. I keep up in weird ways. Like I'm not I'm not so month to month. Like and like I'm kind of more of like uh, like I, I kind of miss Marvel because I haven't had a chance to like like. There's so much stuff coming out, and with all the reboots on Marvel and DC side, I feel like I've been lost in the lurch and like. I always get that telenovela, like I have that sinking telenovela feeling, mm-hmm. like where I'm like terrified, and like I'll find a gem like Miss Marvel or something. I'll wait for like the buzz to to swell up on a book. But the stuff I really prefer is like you know the Fantagraphics, Top Shelf Pantheon, like um, Asaf Hanukkah's The Realist, and his brother and him Tomer and Asaf Hanukkah did The Divine. Both of those are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, been reading the manga I Am a Hero, which is really cool. Hmm. Um, have you guys heard of that one? No. Uh, it's really cool. It's gonna hit. St- I'm I'm guessing it's gonna hit stateside like Attack on Titan did, but it's a Japanese zombie story, and the main character is a manga artist, and like slowly everyone kind of turns into like you know the zombie infestation in Tokyo, and he has a gun. He actually has like a shotgun that he has a permit for, which I thought guns were outlawed, but um, I guess you can have one for permits. So the whole first chunk of the story is him refusing to use his gun and everyone being incredulous and trying to solve the problem. Like there's a lot of tropes and cliches and it's kind of slow. Um, but the art's really gorgeous and there's a lot of humor too. Um, I think that one, and like the zombies are, are preternaturally fast and extra creepy cause they're like Japanese. So there's like a bit of the ring vibe, like a bit of the Sachiko, you know, flavoring to the zombies kind of. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I think it'll hit pretty hard. I've kind of strayed away from manga. Uh, I yeah. used to read, tons and tons when I was in college and mm-hmm. gone towards more American comics. But, um, I don't know. I was talking to uh, the guy I'm writing my comic with the other day. We were talking about manga and anime and stuff. And, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of getting the itch again to go back and catch up with some of the series I was reading. And I don't know, maybe I'll check this one out. It sounds kind of interesting. That was pretty cool. If you, if you read one manga, if you're going to dive back in, cause it, you know, it's like comics, it's a medium. Mm-hmm. Um, check out 21st century boys. Yeah. I've read that. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that okay. was great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, if like you know, if you have any doubts, like, <laughs> Naoki Urasawa will, like, quell them. Yeah. Hi, and I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell y'all are talking about. I like Come comic here. books, but I don't know shit about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the frick y'all discussing? I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, I read Shudder. And oh, like Shudder, yeah. Science and, and Chew. And <laughs> And Midnighter and all that stuff. And you guys are like, yeah, I check out Asian hookers with zombies, <laughs> shotguns in my ass. <laughs> with you, a shotgun. you have to admit this sounds incredible. <laughs> Zombie and a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I lived in Japan for a bit. So, like, I picked up tons of manga. I'm like a kind of a diehard. <laughs> cool. Godzilla with a shotgun. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> I'd watch that. I would, too. <laughs> it's like a really big shotgun. <laughs> I love Godzilla. That's my favorite thing that comes out of Japan. Have you seen Have you seen the new Godzilla design? The one that looks like he's he's got the ooze, like he's got the spread disease. Like, yeah, like the googly eye oh, one. What the freak is that thing, man? I love it. I am terrified Matt, by it. Matt Fra- I know it's like it gave me nightmares. Matt Frank put it out there. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus! I'm so hyped. 
It's like, is he a zombie? What it's the, the uh, fuck happened to him? It's the uh, director of Neon Justice Evangelion who's like super weird. He does like crazy awesome stuff. So I'm I'm excited. Oh yeah, I am too. <laughs> so is my kid. I mean, we're I'm a big Godzilla guy. I have been a big Godzilla guy since I was a kid, and now my younger boy, he's all into it as well. I mean, I'm hunting down all the old figures from back in the day so he can have them. And nice. uh, so I'm paying arm and a leg for Rodan here and arm and a leg for Ngairus. <laughs> yeah, I can't find an Ngairus, and it's the one that's really driving us nuts. But yeah, yeah. yeah that's the only thing I know. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so I guess we need to talk about our pick of the week, man. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, we have the same one. I think we have the same one, too. I'll let you go, but I'll, I'll give out a title because, you know, I really don't like these two. They're not my favorite, but the book was enjoyable. Uh, Power Man and uh, Your Fist. I mean, uh, Iron Fist, <laughs> number one. <laughs> yeah, Power Man and Iron Fist, number one, by David Walker and Sanford Green. It's really good. Uh, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. It's a, you know, it's a new Marvel title. These two are reunited after years of being apart. Reunited and uh, it feels so good. You know, all they get, it's, it's like a buddy, a buddy comedy kind of book. Like the two of them were reunited. Jessica Jones is in the background talking to Luke, and she's like. You guys aren't trying to do Heroes for Hire again, right? She's like, you aren't trying to reunite that way. And he's like, no, 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 no. Our old secretary, who went to jail for killing her boyfriend, who used to beat her and abuse her, just got out. We're just going to go pick her up from prison. We're going to take her out for a nice dinner. We'll see if there's anything we can do to help her. You know, Danny and I aren't really trying to reconnect that way and do any kind of, you know, mercenary work or whatever. (laughs) She's like, okay. So they go and they pick up their secretary, uh, Joni. And, uh, you know, they go to the diner, have a conversation with her. She tells them that the only thing she really wants is her grandmother's necklace. You know, when, uh, when all of her boyfriend's stuff was sold for auction, that went with it. And that's the only thing that she really cares about when she starts up her life. So they say, okay, sure thing. You know, we'll go out there and we'll get it for you. Turns out she tells them that Tombstone has it and that he got it uh, from the auctioneer or whatever. So they go to Tombstone's office and Luke Cage is trying to be all diplomatic with him. And at first it's going pretty well. But then he says, well, we need the necklace back. You know, you got it from the auction or whatever. He's like, I didn't get that from an auction. I won that from the hood in a, in a contest. And he's like, well, that's not what we were told. He's like, are you calling me a liar? <laughs> Tombstone loses his shit. And uh, he has his goons go after uh, Luke Cage and Danny Rand. Doesn't work out so well for him, of course. You know, those guys are very skilled fighters. Take everybody out in the room. They take the necklace, bring it back to the girl. And, uh, yeah, the girl was lying to him. I'm she was manipulating him because she met somebody in prison who kind of manipulated her, kind of befriended her. And it turns out the necklace they were after is actually magical, and it's the source of some kind of ancient power that now this other person has that can use it to kind of take over the criminal underworld. Yeah, That one reminds me of Crazy Eyes and Orange is the New Black. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I'm not going to tell anybody who it is because I don't want to spoil that part of the book in case you want to read it. But I had a problem uh, with the art. You didn't like the art? I didn't like the art. See, I kind of did. It, uh, it was a different it Chris style. Visions? No, it's not Chris Visions. It's okay. uh, Sanf- the- Sanford Green. Okay. Tombstone looked weird. I mean, even Power Man and Iron Fist, they just didn't look right. It just didn't. I mean, I guess with the story, it it didn't feel right. I needed to be drawn like it was before in the previous book we read. He was definitely a little stylized. Like, Tombstone looked kind of bulky, more bulky than he should. And so did Power Man. I'll give you that. But the goons and the fight scenes and stuff, they were all, all the action sequences were great in the book. If it wasn't for the story, I probably wouldn't have read it. Really? Nah, because, again, the art was pushing me away from it. It just, just wasn't my thing. But it was a good story. You're a, lot, you're a lot pickier when it comes to the art than I am, I think. Yeah, I think if they look like somebody just went, bleh, there it is. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to put a little effort into it, man. But, and they all kind of looked, I don't know how to describe the heads looked. Uh, it, it was just not my thing. Okay. You know, well, I love well, good art. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know this. I love freaking art, amazing well, art. The story could be shit, and the art could be like, oh, Jesus is awesome. 
and I'll still get it. <laughs> well, for this to be in your pick of the week with you not liking the art and it being two characters that you're not a big fan of. Tells uh, you the story was pretty good. That tells you the story's pretty good. So uh, this is a great number one from Marvel. I r- highly recommend picking it up. I'm, I'm a big Danny Rand fan. Uh, I even kind of like Power Man. He's grown, grown more on me. Uh, but I, I definitely say pick this up. I say if Jessica Jones shows up more in it, I'll, I'll definitely pick it up again. Cool. And th- is it bad that I see Ritter <laughs> when I see this? Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a good book. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm read number two. I don't think it's bad. I mean, anything that draws you to more characters is is a good thing. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna read number two. I, I like that you're expanding your your worldview for Marvel because there's used to be really closed off. It used to be like, oh, I just don't like that character and you wouldn't have anything to do with them. But I like that you're now kind of willing to read books by, about those characters now. Man, you know, Netflix did something <laughs> to me. Hell yeah, Daredevil. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, let's talk about you, Devin. Okay. Back to you. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, how you got yeah. into doing comics? Oh, I can tell us about Devin. I did my Devin homework. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can what's, I, can my I, can... what's my legend? What's my online legend? <laughs> <laughs> Devin Kraft is a young man who hailed from Roswell, New Mexico, who currently resides in Dallas, Texas. Uh, you can find his art at Cheshire Cat Art. Um, film is where he got first started. You know, a drawing man who loves Japanese animation and manga, you know, and then he started reading comic books. Um, he has 24 comics to this date, you know. Uh, Delulge, you know, Fairyman, Neverender, you know, Devil and Dr. John, you know, stuff like that. How was that? <laughs> Well done. Well Did done. Did I stalk you enough? I couldn't. I couldn't put it any better if I wrote that myself. <laughs> <laughs> no. You go ahead. Um, so basically, I drew like when I was a little kid. I drew um, like in classes and stuff. Like I tend to kind of talk a lot. So <laughs> we can <laughs> like relate. by by doing a uh, uh, by drawing, I'm kind of able to like distract myself a little and like not dominate conversations and stuff, <laughs> which is kind of good. Um, so in college, I kind of like I, I got back into comicing. I got back into comicing, I guess, middle school and high school because like I'm ADHD and I have all this like energy. So like whatever, uh, whatever like my teachers are teaching or whatever, like so I don't like raise my hand and become that guy. I just started kind of sketching and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing comics since I think since I was like 15 or 16, and like all throughout college, and I've just you know kind of been doing it nonstop as a hobby. I got into the film industry and did some kind of random jobs here and there, including like storyboards as well as uh, set decorations, stuff like that. Um, and I was like, man, you know, it's so much work to get because I wanted to go, uh, I wanted to be a screenwriter or a director. And, you know, I was like, it's so much work to get a film done. You have to hire hundreds of people and get all these, you know, things filled out and, you know, usage rights like for music. You know, if you want an explosion, you have to have all these permits. So I was like, I can just draw this all out. And save myself time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I figured comics would be kind of a more more fun career. Um, and I worked as a graphic designer for two years, and then after kind of saving up some money from that, I was like, well, I'll give this a go. And I've been doing conventions and freelance illustration and original comics for the last two years, or, or sorry, four years or so. Awesome. So I've been super super lucky. Well, your stuff's really good. Uh, Thanks. We read Dragon Slayer way back, I think, two years ago when we first met you or so. Yeah. And then uh, Silence is your new book. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just came out with issue one, and it's on Comixology now. Yep. So uh, why don't you tell our, our audience a little bit about Silence? Oh, I oh, can oh. do that. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to take it? You want we'll me let to take Devin it? go. You go ahead. You talk about yourself. Okay. Cool, cool. So Silence, uh, while I was working on Dragon Slayer, I kept, I kept having this image. I was like, man, like, 
so, so Dragon Slayer's a revenge story, and I always liked uh, Chen Wu Park's re- revenge trilogy. And I was like, man, it'd be kind of fun to do another revenge story, kind of, like, just but kind of different. I was also kind of thinking about the Bechtel test, and that was one of the things that kind of started me thinking about it, even though I'm, like, you know, a white dude or whatever. But uh, the Bechtel test is, you know, if anyone doesn't know, like, uh, basically are two female... Uh, does a film or does a narrative, does a story have more than two female characters... And did they talk to each other about something other than the male characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, it's kind of interesting. And I mean, we're kind of seeing a nice, like, interesting trend towards feminism in comics nowadays. And I kind of like that because I'm seeing different perspectives and, you know, I don't know, I guess different stories that aren't traditional, less kind of male power fantasies and more just exploratory stories. And so I was like, I was like, and I also have trouble, like, I've been critiqued on, on how I draw uh, female characters and the female anatomy since I was a kid. Because it's just one of those things I never practiced. And I was like, you know, I need to practice this. And I was like, what better way to, to practice than to do it, you know, like while I'm working on a project. Makes and sense. so I kind of I like came about it. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll come up with like, and so I kind of wanted to come up with a comic that passed the Bechtel test. And I was like, I was like, what would like a comic with only female protagonists be like? And what's kind of an, uh, like, like, how would I get to that, that point, I guess, conceptually? And I was like, you know, it'd be interesting if there were no more male characters are largely, you know, no more male characters and for once guy characters are in peril. So that's kind of how like I did that math in my head and I was like I was like, man, I've always loved the concept of sirens and I've always loved music. So I came up with like four different characters based off of four different music periods, kind of. Um and the main character is Johanna. She's basically uh kind of like Joan Baez, you know, kind of like Bob Dylan esque folk singer, I guess, or Joan Baez esque. No need for comparison. Um, folk singer, and then there's a character who's kind of more soul singer. Uh, character who's more kind of a Courtney Love-esque character, and then uh, kind of a punk rock, you know, uh, older, you know, punk rock grandma. Like, yeah, she's basically yeah, she's basically <laughs> a punk rock grandma. Like it's been, uh, you know, like like she it, she her heyday was like 40, 50 years ago. So it's like because there's always you know people are always like don't get tattoos. How will they age? And so I'm like, how would like a punk rocker from you know, the 80s age into someone who's, like, in their 70s or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of came up with this really wacky cast and kind of a central conceit of, you know, going to rescue the men that have been sung to shipwreck, you know? And so it's kind of, it's kind of like, I don't know if, like, I, I, I don't really want to bandy about Tarantino, like, lightly, I guess, but it's like I want to come up with a series of diverse things that have inspired me and kind of jam them together. Uh, Wes Anderson's kind of another inspiration. So, like, a lot of my shots, like, I kind of like to come up with, uh, you know, straight-on shots that are very simple and stuff like that. And I, I also kind of want to incorporate graphic design. And it's also the first comic that, like, I'm, I, I did full duties for Dragon Slayer except coloring. And I helped out a lot on coloring. But, like, um, I hired some some of my friends to work on coloring with me. But this comic, I'm working coloring into it, kind of like how Fiona Staples does it on Saga. Yeah. So... I'm trying to like pencil it and ink it and color it all at the same time. So it's not like those deals where I do one pass in pencils, one pass in inks, and then one pass in colors. Because that takes forever and burns me out. So I forget writing duties too. Oh, yeah. Writing, (laughs) writing, lettering, and graphic design and pre press. Hey, we're talking to Jimmy Robinson again. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a lot of work. Like it's, that's, that's what sucks about it. Like I wish it were more timely. Um, I guess the good thing is like I don't work for a company, so I just have to kickstart it. I've been thinking of doing like a Patreon or something to, uh, you know, to get because I'd rather just release the pages as I finish them, so it is more timely. Um, 
I would do it without a paywall if I were able to sustain myself. You know, I'd just put it yeah. up as a webcomic, but, um, you know. How long did it take you to finish issue one? Uh, it's really hard. Like, it's like, whenever, whenever I, like, it's kind of like one of those deals where, like, you're running up a mountain or something. And, like, if I want to over, like, if I want to, like, complain in my head, I guess, if I want to be, like, a whiner, I'm like, oh, it took, like, six months. But <laughs> I think it really took, like, probably two or three months. of. That's really of- not a very long time, though. Yeah, it's well, and the good thing is, it's this is my day job, even if it's not like so. I'm able to kind of sustain myself off of conventions and and print sales and stuff, um, primarily. But but my passion is comics, and like if I got hired, you know, in a heartbeat, I would drop any sort of fan art scenario or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I do spend like eight hour days, you know, like usually I can get I can get two or three pages rough penciled in a day. Um, then they'll take, I can usually get maybe two pages, uh, like two pages inked and colored in a day, depending on the complexity of the page and what's on it. Um, writing takes a little longer and thumbnailing depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Those are kind of things that kind of fit here and there. But when I get going, I get going, but then like convention season kicks up or commissions or projects like that. So, you know, it all, everything has to take a back burner to paying work since the Kickstarter's like they get the book funded, but usually not too much extra. And if there is any extra, I usually like to put it into the book in some capacity. You know, understandable. Yeah. So it's tricky. It's an interesting, uh, interesting life. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but I recently started writing my own comic. Uh, oh, nice. With uh, George Tripsis from the Metal Geeks podcast. Oh, I know George. I know George. Cool. Yeah, he and I are writing a, a horror comedy comic, and we've got the first issue completely done. Uh, we actually just hired our artist last week. Nice. And uh, we've started writing issue two. We're about halfway done with that. So I kind of know what the process is a little bit like now. I mean, it took nice. us about a month to write the first issue completely. But, wow. Uh, is it out? Is it done yet? Or No, we just hired our artist last week, but we're hoping okay. by Comic Palooza we'll have a published copy that we can hand to people. Cool, cool, cool. So, Are you doing black and white or color? Color. Cool. Color, yeah. Awesome. It's it's such a weird like uh, it's an interesting dichotomy with Dragon Slayer. I did it in black and white, and that went fine because I once heard that like if people are going to take a take a risk on an indie book, they're going to you know like if you're the kind of person that's going to check out a comic that you don't know the team, like you're the kind of person that doesn't care about black and white necessarily. Right. Um, so I did Dragon Slayer originally in black and white, and then I kind of had aspirations of getting it in comic shops and like making it a professional caliber comic. So that's why I ended up coloring it. Like it's more upfront, it's more to recoup, but you know, you, you get a book that looks like a professional product. Right. So pros and cons both ways, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I just feel like our story definitely needs to be colored. I don't think it would work as well, black and white. Cool. Uh, there's a lot of kind of sci-fi aspects to it. Uh, but I, I do have a question. Um, so Hit issue, it. issue one of silence, you did 47 pages. Uh, it's it's I think it's forty four sequential pages, and then there's three or so uh, just extra graphic design page. Deck, I guess. So why did you decide to do like a extended length first issue instead of doing just the standard twenty two or twenty four? Like the the standard run. So this is where this is kind of the rub, and this is what like I need to. My big problem is I can do everything. Like I can do every job in the comic process to to like what I would say is a competent extent. You know. Um, so you're doing a great job. The first issue is excellent. Thank you, thank you. Well, like, like you'll find, like, you'll probably find better artists than me. You'll find better writers than me. You'll find better letters than me. Like, you'll you'll probably find better colors than me. But like, 
doing all the jobs, every every job suffers a little, but like the job that I have the the most trouble on is distribution. Um, I can make products, and I love making products. Like that's what I enjoy the most. But it's hard to get the book in people's hands. Like it's basically just me going to cons because like I don't have. It's you know I was ex- I explained to people as uh, kind of running a triathlon or a pentathlon where you're constantly handing the baton off to yourself. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you know, you run a whole, well, I guess that's sort of what a triathlon is, but like a relay race is a better, you know, you, you run part of a relay race, but then you hand the, hand the baton off to yourself and you run or swim or whatever. Um, the, the distribution is the hardest part and I use Kickstarter for that. And when I do my Kickstarters, I really like to make them like, I, I call them like Disney rides kind of like, I like to come up with really fun rewards and I like to self animate the video and, you know, handpick the music and do really tight, fun copy. Like I like to, I like to tell a story with the campaign that fleshes out the world and gets people into the culture of the book. That's um, probably why you're so successful at it. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 like it's a whole lot of work. And this last Kickstarter, it it did like it funded, but it was a lot closer than I'd hoped. I kind of hoped it, it'd go a little more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Kickstarters take me two or three months, like. Yeah. You know, it takes a month to prep the Kickstarter, a month to run the Kickstarter, and ideally a month to fulfill the Kickstarter. Uh, and that's like full work days. And so I've tried, like, and this is why I'm kind of trying to figure out what my, how I should get the comic to readers in their hands. Like, I did 44 pages because if I did a Kickstarter each issue, it's three months, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was, like, I was like, let me get at least the first third of the story done. Um, and Dragon Slayer's issues, I think, were comparable. I think Dragon Slayer, I think issue one was like 28, I think issue two was 32, and issue three was like 56 or something like that. Um, because, like, like I just I just want to tell the story, but, like, so, so I wanted to get as far into the story as I could before doing a Kickstarter. And so now I'm trying to figure out, like, do I do a second Kickstarter for the second third, roughly, and then a third Kickstarter for the third third? Do I just go and finish out the book in its entirety, um, and then just do one Kickstarter. I mean, the the thing I guess is uh, because it's you know like like I don't I get whatever the excess is you know like I try to I I get whatever I misbudgeted essentially you know um, like I always have a little bit of uh, wiggle room because you don't want to under budget because then the Kickstarter hurts you right. you know so I I basically get to profit the wiggle room off of these uh, Kickstarter campaigns and so. Like that, whenever you look at two to three months work, you know, for five specialized jobs and you're walking away with, you know, a few hundred to a thousand or so, it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, am I doing the best I can with my time? And like, that's where it's like the passion, you know, uh, that's where my love of comics comes in. But, you know, it's kind of tricky. So that's one of the reasons why, why it's a bigger issue, you know? Well, is your end goal to get the book picked up by a distribution company? I mean, would you, would you, have you shopped it around to anybody? See, and that's like, like that's that's it's it's such a tricky question because like I would love to have someone else distribute it, and I've I've been approached by a few people, but some people like, like I've had a few people kind of talk with me, and then I always forget to press the matter because my head's in the next book, you know, mm-hmm. and so by the time I finish the old book, I'm my head's so far in the new book, and then by the time I get my head in the new book, convention season's coming up, and then the year's over, you know, yeah, so it's like each each part of my job has to take from another part. So it's like, uh, you know, like promoter me, I could be promoter me, but then I wouldn't be penciler me, you know, or I wouldn't be inker me. So 
it's just one of those deals where it's a really hard juggling act. I have uh, one of my friends on Facebook. Um, it's someone I haven't met in person, but he, he'll send me messages and he's like, hey, like he, he, it's funny because he'll actually like help me promote stuff. He's like, hey, he's like, here's some companies you can send it to. And in my head, I'm like, I could. I was like, you know, like maybe after I get done penciling, inking, coloring for the day, like, you know, get like two hours off tonight to relax. And yeah, I need to, I don't know. Like I just keep hoping I do good enough work to where someone sees me, someone picks me up and I'm able to spin less plates and focus on the plates I'm good at, you know? Yeah. But hey. it's tricky. <clears throat> hey, well, send us whatever, man. We'll do what yeah. we can to promote you out there. I mean, I mean, I, I like the book. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. saying anything bad about your book. Your book was good. I don't know what the hell I was talking about. There. I haven't talked in about three hours here, so I'm a little rusty. I'm back again. Yay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm messing with y'all, too. Uh, the book is great. I enjoyed the book. It's like, oh, we're stuck in the world. Let's rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the characters from Dinah, Cherry, Joanna, to Meg, who's a druggie, to her mom, Penny. I mean, I, I really know the story because I enjoyed the book. I really did. And I just wanted to go out there and say, we'll do what we can to help you. Uh, like I said, we're friends on Facebook and on Twitter, or whatever. But you're the kind of guy that whenever we meet, at, whenever we run into at the uh, conventions, man, it's like running into your old buddy who yeah. you've known for many years. I put you in the same class as Joe Eisman. I mean, you're like almost like family. It's it's just really it's really cool to see you know to hang out and talk to you. And we always wish you the best of luck. And you're really, really, really super talented. Uh, <laughs> and you're one of my kids' favorites now. I mean, because remember you signed his uh, you signed his little poster for him that your dad sold us. Oh, awesome! <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so, you know, I just wanted to throw it out there. I mean, like, just whatever you need us to do to help you out, man. We're glad to help. I, yeah, just tell if you if you. Um, and I'll, I'll pass you guys some physical copies next time I see you because this is the first time I've kind of got some. But pass around because, like, literally the only word of mouth, like, like there's you know there's no machine I can pump into. It's just if someone's found me, they've met me, kind of, you know. Yeah. So that's the good thing about the con circuit, but you know, it's hard work. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so you'll be back at Comic Palooza this year? Oh, absolutely. Comic Palooza is a convention. Like the second they uh, uh, put the, the previous vendors could put up for the next year, I was in. Comic Palooza is Comic Palooza and Staple are my two favorite conventions of the year. I, we hear that over and over and over again from creators. Everybody loves Comic Palooza, which yeah. I don't blame them. I mean, Comic Palooza, there's nothing not to love. It's probably the best run convention in Texas. Absolutely. Four days. Uh, I was across the way from Mike Mignola one year. Like, it's just incredible. Good, like, fantastic guests. Plenty of, that's the other thing I like about the four days time thing is, on the one hand, like, four days of sales is great. But on the other, that's enough time for me to get up and get to meet people. I think I got Jeff Smith to sign something last year. Cool. I get to talk to him. But, you know, it's just an adventure. I love Conkpalooza. Us too. <laughs> yeah. It's the absolute best. Like, so much fun. Okay, well, uh, so where can people go? I mean, I said Comixology, but where can people go if they want to get copies of your book or check out any of your previous stuff? Um, so I have an Etsy shop, um, etsy.com slash shop slash Cheshire Cat Art. Um, and that has, I have my books up there. I have my posters up there. Um, like all, you know, so if anyone needs anything cool to decorate their walls. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. All is Cheshire Cat Art. So just plug that into pretty much any social media and... That's one way to find me and keep up with uh, my adventures. Cool. Snapchat. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Snapchat. I don't have a Snapchat yet, and I feel like like I feel like I missed it, and now I feel like jumping on. Like I feel like I'm going to be like old man on Snapchat. So. <laughs> we don't use it either. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Think it's, I don't think it's the best social media way to promote yourself. 
I just don't yeah. think it lends itself to that really well. Not like Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I remember correctly, you can speak Japanese. Yes, I can. I can. Give us some Japanese. Give me a phrase. Uh, Lord Horsetakles is the is the greatest. Horsetakles, yeah. Uh, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Give me some more complex. Uh, I don't know. Um, hmm. Let's see here. My what a lovely tea party. <laughs> oh shoot, that's actually really hard. Um, shoot, hold on. There's actually like, oh, I'm I'm gonna kick myself. They actually have like, uh, oh my gosh, they have these really great tea ceremonies. Sado, um, crap. Now this is now it's like uh, sado. Okay. Oh no, it's both actually. It can be sado or chado. Hey, I just Wikipedia that, but kono chado wa suburashikata. What'd you like, call me? <laughs> <laughs> he said you were a lovely tea party. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you were a lovely tea party. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Freaking awesome. See, tell what I tell you. Now say Godzilla. Gojira. <laughs> you can't speak Japanese. I could say Gojira was a lovely tea party. Nice. <laughs> I can say a few things. I mean, I, you watch enough anime, you pick some of that stuff up. We don't want to hear any of those sayings. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just hentai phrases. That's all you learn. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, not those tentacles. Not now. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> don't give away my secrets, Devin. Come on. <laughs> Please, no senpai. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so how does your father come around? How did you talk your father into coming to the convoy? Oh, that was incredible. So, Because um, did we first meet Wizard World Boston, right? Was it Wizard World Boston? No. No, we met you at Comic Palooza. Yeah, we met you at Comic Palooza two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, my dad did help me at that one. Um, no, so my dad, it's really funny because he doesn't know uh, He doesn't know comics at all. Like, he doesn't know, he's not a, he's not a media guy at all. Like, he doesn't really keep up with movies. He kind of watches some TV shows, but like... Just no interest in the world of entertainment at all. So, like, whenever he mans my table, it's really, really funny because, like, uh, like he doesn't know Studio Ghibli. He calls him Studio Jigglebee. So he's like, <laughs> would you like to see my son's Jigglebees? <laughs> Whoa! I'm like, I'm like, we're going to get arrested, Dad. <laughs> that cost you extra $10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he calls uh, Totoro is Toro Toro or the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. He actually really likes my Spirit Away poster, but doesn't the the thing I'm sure that he gets and to be fair everyone gets Lapita Castle in the Sky and Howl's Moving Castle like whenever people help me and they haven't seen either of those movies like they just remember Castle yeah um but yeah I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that like he was, it was just really funny to see him like he's a really good aggressive enthusiastic uh, salesman but he doesn't know the properties so he'll like take the posters out and like put them in the customers' hands and like oh wouldn't that look good on your wall <laughs> like. And I'm like, no, Dad, just let them discover the art. Oh, you already <laughs> touched it. You got to pay now. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, but, but he's he's a really good like he's a he's a good enthusiastic salesman considering you know it's it's kind of cool because um, both Confluenza and Wizard World Austin. Wizard World Austin was the first time he helped me. We were right across the way from Greg Capullo, and like after the uh, convention was over, like we were walking out. Greg Capullo was walking out at the same time, and he like runs up to Greg Capullo, wants to talk to him. He doesn't know anything about Capullo's art. He just knows that he's famous. So my dad's like hassling him and stuff. And I'm like, no, dad, you're going to like, ah, oh, I'll never get a job in this industry. Capullo's going to blacklist me. Don't do this. But like, you know, he's like, oh, sorry, I had a line, you know. Oh, man. Now, Greg, Greg is funny. 
Yeah, Greg. Oh, the first time we met him, we did an interview with him. He, I was intimidated, and he yeah. cracked us up. Oh my god, he was funnier than we were. Yeah, what? he made us sound like lame. Yeah. <laughs> and it was he told a poop story. Yeah. <laughs> a poop story? Yeah, was <laughs> a good one. It was pretty funny. I'm <laughs> having the squirts, <laughs> squeezing ass cheeks, walking across the. <laughs> oh my god! It's like anybody got us some bubble gum? I need to plug it up. <laughs> <laughs> I he, he's he's amazing. Yeah. Oh man! Congrats to him and Scott Snyder again for such an amazing run on Batman. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was amazing. Sad that it's over. Yeah. yeah, but I wanted to say your dad is a your dad's a character. Yes, I got to talk to him for a little bit. You weren't at your table, and I talked to him for a little bit about you. So oh, really? We were saying all kinds of bad things. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, no. no, my dad, my dad doesn't have a bad thing saying bone in his body. That's how I know that's not true. <laughs> it was all me. <laughs> he overcharged me for this poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, just kidding. But yeah, he likes he likes to help whenever uh, he's actually going to help me. I'm going to be uh, at an independent comic expo for the first time in Denver, and he's uh, he's going to help me. Either him or my mom. My mom hasn't helped me at a convention yet, which is weird. So I'm trying to like get her to to help me at one of them. But um, yeah, he has fun at them. I think he really enjoys them. That's and awesome. Next time you come down for Palooza uh, this year, uh, you should come down here with us and do a live show with us. That'd be pretty funny. Heck yeah. I wish, yeah, if my dad were coming down, we could get oh, him. Oh, that'd too. be great. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> cool. He would have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all been rambling up too damn much. I haven't been on, on this show enough, so it's time for a funny story. All right, all right. So um, this is, like, it's really short. Like, I am, like... I wish I had like an incredible story. I have better stories and like so anyway, I'm gonna like lowball this story. I'm gonna get your expectations so low and then <laughs> uh, so okay. I did OniCon. This is like a mildly funny story. I did OniCon, um, which is the anime con in Galveston, and it was kind of before the show. Um, got there and man, if this sucks, like I'm already like second guessing my story. No. <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of funny. It's more it's more of an anecdote. But anyway, we got there. I got there before the show, show them on the beach or whatever. They had like this arcade room that if you paid, you could get in. Uh, and they had Capcom vs. SNK2. And I haven't played that game since they accidentally released it as the entire game on a demo disc for Xbox Live a while back. Um, or yeah, like way back in the day, there was like an Xbox demo disc, had the entire game on it. No, no limits or anything. Someone accidentally put the whole code. I remember so I was playing like, that eh. on my Neo Geo Pocket. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I was, like, I was like, man, I'm going to play this. So I started up start playing it like super dark room like you know because it's like an arcade all of a sudden out of like the darkness scampers this like neck beard of a dude just kind of scampers over and like starts to like fight me he just choose some you know choose the same characters and i'm like oh cool he's playing kind of same characters i'm like this is good i haven't fought anybody in a while in street fighter so you know capcom versus snk2 i definitely haven't fought anybody in real life and i usually play with the controller i don't really play with the stick so (laughs) i get my pride up and i'm like i'm like all right let's go let's go it's been a little while so we start playing and he's not super great. Like, he's okay. Like, I've played some Street Fighter a little, not competitively, but, like, I've played people who are competitive. So, like, I know what a good match looks like. Yeah. yeah. And so he's he's kind of just spamming this one heavy heavy punch button. So I'm kind of frustrated because it's not that he's good. It's just that he's, like, kind of hitting me with the same attack. And, like, he's playing as Haomaru, the, like, samurai dude. So, like, he's from Samurai Spirits. He just hits the one button gets, like, a quarter of my health bar each time. So I'm kind of pissed, but I'm, I'm trying to play it cool. So then he wins, and, like, the fucker starts miming how Maru's moves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was so freaking frustrated because he, like, he starts, like, waving around an imaginary katana, like, quietly. 
And then he, like, you know, sheaths the katana. And then I guess Haomaru spits sake on his blade or something like that. So so he, like, mimes out spitting sake on the blade. <laughs> so, like, I kind of walked away. I think, I think I fought another match to try to, like, regain my, you know, whatever composure. And he did it again. He, like, turned around. It was a different move. He's just, he's miming it out. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't communicate with me. And I kind of walked out. And I'm like, yeah, I lost the match. But I think I win at life. <laughs> <laughs> So, so. <laughs> it's just super weird. And the, the other weird thing is I never – because my, my uh, table is right next to the arcade entrance and exit. So I kept looking for him to leave. I don't think he ever left. So I came up with this theory that he's like some tortured soul that scampers out of the darkness to play whatever people play that machine. And like when the machine moves, he moves with it. Living, living in the bowels of the convention center just waiting <laughs> yeah, for the next yeah, opponent nice. to appear. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever like find the haunted Capcom versus SNK2 machine, <laughs> the spirit of Neckbeard Aomaru <laughs> will <first. laughs> play a, a slightly lackluster and clammy match. So. I hate those one button pushing bastards. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like it's like I could have taken him. Like and I'm like I, I have some friends who are in a Street Fighter Four competitively. So like now I'm trying. Like they've taught me some really good techniques, and so I was trying to implement them. And like on the first match, I lost because you know someone can trick you once. But like the second match, I was like, oh, that's shame on me, you know. <laughs> so, but the miming, like I just I like I wanted to get in a fight for real. I wanted to like like <laughs> when we did that, I wanted to like turn and just like start a real street fight. Just nice. Get out of them, you know. I'm not a violent person, but when someone starts like mining moves after they defeat you, that's like a salty winner. Oh yeah, I know. You start playing the Mortal Kombat and people start doing that crap, and then they're the mashing buttons. They're pushing one button and they beat you. Like, ha ha! I'm better than you. Like, oh really? Oh, it's on now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then, then you kick their ass and say, "Your soul is mine." Video yeah, yeah, always yeah. seem to bring out the best in people. <laughs> <laughs> you literally rip their spine from them. Uh, <laughs> I, I got really good with Scorpion. I used to piss people off. I was, you want you want to do the button mashing shit? Okay, I'm gonna do this combo every single time. Flying in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out of the screen. Going here, going there, coming back, back and forth, oh. back and forth, and then get over here and finish him. <laughs> <laughs> like, were you gonna play? I just want. Were you playing? Were you trying? You know. <laughs> and then some little eight year old Japanese comes, kid comes in there and beats my ass like I've never even, like I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, that's because uh, in Japan, this is a little known fact, but they actually like. For like two years, that's all they do. They just for two years, it's like part of their education. And if they don't get an A plus, they fail. They get held back. You just have to choose a fighting game, whatever it is, and get really good. It's just part of primary. That's their PE. Those bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get over here. Yeah. So if they're not good at a game, they just can't go on to further education. <laughs> Tekken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tekken. That's how you know you got to yourself. Soul Caliber, Blaze Blue. That's why every kid chooses a different game. It's like Hogwarts. There's like a Sorting Hat. Nice Rampage. <laughs> yeah, Rampage. <laughs> Bloody Roar. Nice. <laughs> Wait, is that the old fighting game with dinosaurs? No, Bloody Roar was the one where you could turn into werewolves and were creatures. Now, what's what's the one with the uh, dinosaurs that you fought that with? Was you Primal Rage. Primal, Primal Rage. Rage. That's yeah. what I'm thinking, not Rampage. But yeah, Primal Rage, where there's the monkey and you can fart on people. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. You can literally win a match by farting. Uh, yeah. That was a classic. Video games are amazing, man. Just, just, yeah, right? <laughs> that. Like, mankind created the technology to bring back dinosaurs in digital form. First thing we have is we make them fart on each other. <laughs> like, why not? I'm looking at screenshots now, and like one's like a T-Rex who shoots a fireball out of his mouth. I remember that. <laughs> the, the health meter, there's literal heart, and then there's like a brain thing. So I guess this game had supers, too. 
I'm having a little, I'm not going to say deja vu, but I'm having a little moment here right now talking to Devin and listening to how he's talking to us and talking about crazy crap, like off on a tangent, <laughs> and he's looking stuff up on the screen. Doesn't this sound, and how he's starting off, doesn't it sound like a little Steve Orlando-esque? Sure. It does, right? You're going to blow up soon, Devin. <laughs> huh? Who's Steve Orlando? I'm oh. Googling Steve Orlando. Steve Orlando, uh, he wrote a book for Image called Undertow. Uh-huh. A couple okay. years ago, it was a miniseries, uh, and then he got picked up by uh, DC, and right now he's writing Midnighter. Oh, nice. And uh, he just published his own Kickstarter book, uh, Virgil, mm-hmm. about okay. a, a gay cop in uh, Jamaica. It's actually, nice. it was like a lot of people's number one or number two oh, it's uh, amazing. Gra- original graphic novel of the year last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's really blown up the last few years, and like we were, we became friends with him right before he kind of... Shot into that <laughs> success and, stream, and every time he comes on, we talk all kinds of crazy <laughs> crap, and we've live tweeted He Man and stuff with him, and yeah, he's oh, just nice. a great guy. So yeah. it just kind of this moment, just right now, just kind of reminded me of that. I just thought of it, like that's weird. He's a Googler too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah, he's <quick>. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, cool. it's just one of those deals. I was like, I have the computer in front of me, and <laughs> Primal Rage, and like I'm looking at the concept art for Primal Rage, and I'm like, man, those were the glory days. <laughs> they really were. Yeah. Video games are a gravy train with biscuit wheels. Well, I have a funny story, too. Mine's also about Video something, games? something appearing out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. So Heather and I, this past weekend, we went to San Antonio. Uh, she's working at a school as the assistant orchestra director now. And there was the Texas Music Educator Convention in San Antonio. So we went down there for that for one day. And uh, we weren't there for very long because it it closed at two o'clock, which is really weird. But then we decided just to spend the day in San Antonio and we ended up going to eat this Mexican restaurant on the Riverwalk. And we, we waited like an hour and a half to get seated. We finally got seated and the only place we could sit was outside. So we're like literally right on the Riverwalk. And you know, the, the waiter comes over, we're talking to him, we order our food and drinks, whatever. He brings us some chips, he goes away. The table behind us, uh, there's probably like five people sitting there and they had all just finished eating. There was like you know, food just all over the table, like two baskets of chips. They didn't finish all this stuff. And uh, they got up to leave like right after our chips got brought to our table. And like, they literally just stood up and walked away from the table when all of a sudden this swarm of birds just flies. And I'm, I'm talking a swarm. I mean, there had to be over a hundred birds just swarms that table and starts ripping everything apart. There's like birds eating enchiladas, like fajita Whoa. meat flying everywhere. Like chips were getting just ripped back and forth between the birds it was like like a scene out of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. And then when they all got chased away by the bus boy, they all flew right over our table. And I was like, I was like, ah, I thought I was going to get shit on or something. <laughs> I, I've never seen anything like that. It sounds like a Mexican biblical plague. It was really, <laughs> really bizarre. Birds descend and eat the fajitas. You racist bastard. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's a Mexican food restaurant. Yeah. So stealing all the Mexican food. <laughs> I'm from New Mexico, so I think it's cool. <laughs> He's a New Mexican. He's a New Mexican. <laughs> if it were New Mexican food and they were new birds, I'm just, you know, apples to apples. <laughs> Devano is his, his Spanish name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Manuel. Did he catch that? That's well, right, Manuel. I forgot. Manuel. I forgot about that. That was pretty, that, pretty that hilarious. Should be, that should be your funny story, man. Yeah, that should have been my funny story. In my head, I was like, man, like my whole life, I've waited for someone to ask me for a funny story, and then you hit me with it, and I'm like, uh, uh, uh one time. <laughs> We got so. we got time. We could we could do the Manuel thing if you want to talk about it. Ah, 
I'm not even sure where to start on that. But the funny thing is, whenever uh, whenever I post stuff on Facebook, it still says Manuel and then switches my name to Devin. I had a whole identity <laughs> crisis with that. It was scary. That was terrifying. I followed that whole thing. It was it was probably one of the funniest weeks I've ever had on social media. I was laughing so hard every time you posted something. I don't know if I can compile it. That's like I want to tell a story, but I don't know if I can like too long didn't read version it. Feels like there's like build up. <laughs> Too long didn't read, I guess. Uh, a, uh, a lady from New Mexico called me insisting I was someone named Manuel. I insisted I wasn't. She insisted I was. She kept insisting I was for three days straight. <laughs> but I thought I was. <laughs> and then I changed my Facebook name. And because I'm an idiot and my Facebook was in Japanese, I didn't read the fine print that you can't change your Facebook name for another 60 days. So I got stuck as Manuel. <laughs> inadvertently created a whole movement of my friends becoming Manuel. Well, you chronicled the entire conversation with the lady online. Yeah. And then you posted the, the seminal post where you said, maybe I am Manuel. Maybe we all are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I read that. Down. I was cracking up. And then everybody joined in. That was the best thing. <laughs> yeah. No, um, my, my favorite part of it was the reverse Kickstarter where like, because she was like, I'm like, I'm generally like live and let live. I don't like to antagonize. But like she was calling me at like 2 a.m. and like texting me and like not leaving me alone. And I'm like, you know, I don't think there's a jury in the world that could, could you know, whatever, condemn me if I were mean back to her. Right. Because like it's a total stranger. She's being like belligerent and mean. So I was like, I think I can retaliate. And I think I, I it's like, I think that's a righteous mission. So my reverse Kickstarter was like, if she calls back one more time, I'm going to put her number for my Facebook friends to text her that I'm not Manuel. You know, if she <laughs> if she calls me back a second time, I'm going to put on Craigslist with a guarantee of a blowjob minimum. <laughs> Like, you know, so each, each time she like aggressed, I was going to like make her life worse, (laughs) but you know, third time I would have gone on 4chan. (laughs) So, but this thing, this thing went on for like an entire week. Yeah. And I mean, it it lasted the, the whole meme thing that came from it lasted way longer than that. But the initial, uh, initial foray into it was about a week and man, I, every time you posted, (laughs) I was just cracking up laughing. Like he and I were talking about it at work. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, it was, was really funny I was so mad well and then like the, the other thing was like it was right after the kickstarter I'm like man why couldn't this have happened during the kickstarter <laughs> like you know because <laughs> I feel all beggy on Facebook where it's like please back my comics so I can eat bread <laughs> you know or whatever <laughs> oh man well <laughs> yeah but that's what that's what's funny because like I work alone and like when my name changed to Manuel and like people would call me Manuel at conventions and stuff and so like it was starting to get like you know, I don't know, David Lynchian. Like it was starting to get a little creepy. <laughs> when and you get your like, when you get your sign up at Common Willows, you should have like Devin Kraft, aka Manuel. Manuel. <laughs> well, it just it started getting like and that's why like on my phone, that's why it's still like I, I came through it and like I was gonna try to do something different for like the two months that I had to be Manuel, like eat healthier exercise. <laughs> and I, I definitely didn't. I totally I was like, mm. Not not that committed to the joke. Start standing <laughs> outside at the Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> I can say it, Holmes. He's an actual Mexican. He, he can say it. <laughs> I can say, I can say I'm going to work harder than an American. And <laughs> criticisms. Hey, yeah. uh, I'm friends. With, I'm friends with Mexican Word of the Day on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> that shit is hilarious. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty funny. 
But oh. yeah, no. So so I don't know. It's just it's really creepy now. Whenever my Facebook thing, I post is something, and it says Manuel, and then switches over because like I'll have to second guess myself. It's like, what if I am? <laughs> what if Esther was right? I'm gonna have to go home and see if I can find that sombrero and that freaking parka thing, and I'm gonna bring it with this. <laughs> Put it on and take a picture with it. Do it. Do it. Yes, I'm Manuel. Totally, <laughs> I'm totally done. Now, well, that's the other thing. Like like between us, I guess, and the podcast listening audience, like. The, at first, it was funny, and then the joke got out of my hands when I got stuck as Manuel because, like, I was like, "Oh crap! Like, I can't change it back." And so there's a part where the joke was like out of my hands, and I was just like, hmm. "You know, like," and everyone's like, "Manuel," and I'm like, "I don't know if I want to be Manuel." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, <laughs> son of a!" <laughs> yeah, like there's a part where it, like it didn't go too far, but there was a part where it was like I was like, "This is bigger than me now," and I don't know what to do. And like, like my mom was like, "You should make a comic." And I'm like, "It's not funny, mom." <laughs> Hey man, as Manuel Craft, you could have gotten financial aid. You could have gotten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know, I'd, I'd be more suited to live in New Mexico. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to La Raza, Manuel. <laughs> well, that was that was really funny. Thanks for sharing about the Manuel <laughs> yeah, stuff. I knew I knew I had a better funny story than like you know funny anecdote. <laughs> So. I had a great one too. I just cannot think of what it was. And hopefully, it's okay, Devin made up for it. Yeah. <laughs> Picking up your slack. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to this week's comic, movie, and TV news. All right, man. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about first? We'll let Devin choose. Oh, uh, Deadpool is great. You want to do movies? Okay. Sure, movies. All right, so Deadpool. Uh, Amazon already has pre-orders up for the Blu-ray and DVDs. Dang. Uh, the dirty version. Yeah, the, the Blu-ray is the uncensored director's oh. cut version. It's supposed to come out in spring of 2016, so not that far. Did you order? Did you pre-order? Not yet. Not yet. I'll probably just buy it the I day it comes will. out. Like I always feel weird trying to pre-order stuff on Amazon because then what happens if it doesn't come the day that it's supposed to? You don't get it like that first day. You <laughs> And then you're pissed. And then you're pissed about it. Like I'd rather just go to Best Buy and get it that first day because it's going to be the same price or maybe even cheaper. True. I don't know. That's just me. The black bag cover. <laughs> uh, because of Deadpool's unmitigated success as an R-rated superhero movie, there's a lot of talk of X-Force and Wolverine uh, being R-rated. Thank you. Ones. Thank you. How do you feel about that? Thank you. I want to see Wolverine gut some people, man. I want to yes. see some gore. Yes. I, I think that making them R-rated for the sake of just making them R-rated doesn't have to be that way. Like, Deadpool had to be R-rated, I think. I mean, there's just too much stuff in Deadpool's world that's, you know, not for kids. Yeah, but X-Force kills. X-Force, I agree, should be R-rated. I completely agree. I'm talking Wolverine. Wolverine, they've already kind of established him as a youth-friendly character. Like, he's... Obviously, in the comics, he's a lot more adult. Yeah. But in the movie universe, he's a lot more kid-friendly. True, So, I feel like making him R-rated kind of... Like, it would have to be, like, a low-end R-rating. Like, the blood-only kind of thing. Nice. You know? Like, no, no Wolverine going to strip clubs and, like, you I mean, know. That's Hugh Jackman's last hurrah, man. Maybe he wants to let it all hang out. Literally. They are. It's <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they are talking about uh, doing the Old Man Logan story. Okay. Ooh. Or Wolverine 3. There you go. So that could be kind of interesting, I guess. You just don't like Wolverine. Just You got you got some Wolverine hate You know, when I, when I was a kid, he was one of the first characters I was really exposed to that I loved. But I just feel like he's been way overused in the last ten years. That's why you're glad he's dead. I I am glad that they've taken some new new direction with the character, just because actual Logan Wolverine hasn't been around. So I figure you might like Old Man Logan. Yeah, maybe it just depends. 
I'm excited. I'm more excited for X Force than I will be for Wolverine. I mean, none of the Wolverine standalone movies have been exceptional. I think you have to agree on that. Yeah. I, the uh, the last Wolverine film that came out, like I loved it all until the finale. Like if you take that movie and cut it when he gets hit by all the arrows, like I like that movie up until there. Like well, the ending was the thing that killed it for me. The first, like I don't know, the first third of Wolverine Origins is a fine movie too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Agreed. It's the latter two thirds that are just garbage. <laughs> yeah, things <laughs> fall apart. So I mean, there's there's always some parts of it that are good. Just they have yet to make a, a truly great Wolverine standalone. So maybe yeah. this will be the time. Maybe maybe it does need to be R. Maybe that's what's holding it back. Yeah, never know. Never know. Anyways, it's something worth mentioning at least. Okay. Uh, and then also Deadpool. You know, there's talk of Cable being in the second movie yeah. and in the X-Force movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the main people that are being considered or that are putting their names out there are Kevin Nash and Stephen Lang. Do you have any thoughts? Kevin Nash is who? Cable. Cable. It's too freaking big. Good. Kevin Nash is like seven foot. You think he's too big for Cable? Yeah. I think he's too big. Kevin Nash can't even walk that much anymore either. All that wrestling and crap. <laughs> he can't really move as well as he used to be. Taking his toll on his knees. I mean, Cable's pretty big. He's a big, ripped guy. I mean, it depends which version of Cable. But if you're talking like 1990s Cable, you know, he was big with giant shoulder pads. I understand that, but he's not a giant. No, he was not a giant. Not a giant compared to Deadpool. But they can uh, they can change that in staging. It's like how Tom Cruise is like two feet tall. and <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I mean, they, that's how they made the Hobbits, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Kevin Nash has that kind of uh, acting range. I mean, he was okay in a few of the movies we see him, like Grandma's Boy, whatever, you know. They're <laughs> called hookers, you know. But no, I don't think he has the, the reins. Well, Grandma's Boy, if that's the best reference you can come up to where he, where he has one line, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm not sure either. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I've seen the pictures of uh, Stephen Lang. You know, he's been getting in shape. He's looking pretty ripped. Yeah, he looks a little bit better. I, I kind of think he's, he's the way they should go. But He kind of looks like Abel. Uh, I'm not totally opposed to Kevin Nash either. Nah, I'm not down for there, there's talk of Kira Knightley as well doing a gender bent cable. What? Um I don't oh. that was that was the joke that at was, the end of the movie. That was the joke at the end of the movie. But Spoilers. now that they're they're actually talking about it. Like it's kind of taking a, a life of its own on Facebook and so and Twitter and stuff. Uh I hope they don't do that. Taylor Kitsch is because there's no cable. reason to do that. Taylor Kitsch is Deadpool. I mean that's Deadpool's cable. <laughs> That'd be horrible. It's Bishop. No. <laughs> Anyways, I, I thought it was at least worth mentioning. That's pretty much it for movies. It's not a big movie week. Okay. So what do you want to do next? TV or comics? TV. Not a big TV week either. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Here's an option. I know. Oh, there's, there's a lot of comics, though. Uh, so the first images of Old Man Oliver uh, appeared from The Legend yeah. of Tomorrow. You can see him with the goatee, finally. Oh, yeah. It looks, it looks cool. It looks cool. Uh, they, they said before that he was going to be missing an arm, though. They were going to do it straight out of Dark Knight Returns, but the image I saw, he has both arms. Hmm. So... Well, I asked Coral what he thought of it. He said he only saw half of it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. I'm sorry. Uh, they released the season two trailer for Daredevil. Yes! Which we watched right before we talked. Um, it looks better than I expected it to. Uh, Barenthal, in some of the scenes, he looks really good as the Punisher. And in other things, he looks exactly like he typically does where I'm not loving him. From The Walking Dead? Yeah. Where he's like, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the biggest fan of shame of John Barenthal. Hmm. I think he's going to do fine. I hope he does. I imagine that he will because you can't mess up the Punisher. Yeah, it's a hard character to mess up. I mean, if he messes that up, that dude just needs to quit. <clears throat> Pack shit up and go home. <laughs> You're done. Well, Punish they like him himself. enough to already have 
plan to do a, a spinoff show of the Punisher for Netflix. So well, there you go. Um, I mean, that's that sounds promising to me at least. Punishing people. Yeah, you know Thomas Jane, but you know, <clears throat> you seen Daredevil the first season, Devin? Oh yeah, absolutely. Daredevil's my favorite superhero, actually. So okay, yeah, cool. love that. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Daredevil fan too. Miguel is. Uh, I wasn't. He he wasn't until he watched the show, and now he's kind of a newcomer. Have yeah. you have you read any of the comics? Like, have you like like are there are there have have you read Daredevil and not enjoyed him or just? I just really couldn't get into it. Uh, most most of what he's read is the more recent stuff, like the Mark Wade run, which, which is fun. It's okay. It's not as good yeah. as the older stuff. The older stuff is so much better. My best part of Daredevil is when he usually winds up teaming up with Spider Man and Punisher. Ah oh, man, if you if you get a chance, read the uh, Bendis Malieve run on Daredevil because it it plays like an HBO show. Yeah. Like, okay. It's if if you especially if you like the show, but like to me, I always use Daredevil like if if someone's new to comics and they're like, oh, I want to read a superhero story. Give me a superhero, and I'm just going to choose a random comic. I mean, it's a really weird hypothetical situation, but Daredevil is the comic that like if you grab a random issue of Daredevil, odds are you're going to grab a good issue. You know. All right. Yeah. So, I'll pick up the trade. Do it. Uh, so. The Daredevil run, it starts with Kevin Smith, and that one's good. Kevin Smith and uh, Joe Quesada started off, and then I think David Mack takes over. Uh, David Mack and uh, Joe Quesada do it for a bit, and all that stuff's incredible. But issue one of Bendis and Malieve, like it covers, uh, it starts in media res, and Kingpin gets shanked by all of the, all, like by his son and all of the like lieutenants in his mafia. And so a power vacuum forms, and it just the story naturally flows from one thing to the other. And it ends up like Daredevil gets outed. Like everyone knows that Matt Murdock's Daredevil. Um, Daredevil ends up becoming the kingpin at one point. Like it's a 75 issue run that's incredible. Wow. Like, yeah, it's, it, it feels like I've never seen it. It's the best long form superhero arc for me um, because everything leads. Like uh, Matt gets married at one point. Everyone accuses him of having a nervous breakdown. Everything flows like. Thing A happens, and because thing A happens, thing B happens. None of it's ever episode of the week. It's all causative. Yeah. Cool. And it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. My other favorite uh, Daredevil thing is actually fairly recent, is uh, End of Days. The Daredevil oh, yeah, series. yeah, yeah. So good. That's the Sinkovich one, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, that was pretty cool. Yeah, very good. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last piece of uh, TV news is about Deadpool again. Uh, you saw there was a petition going around for him to be the host on Saturday Night Live. No. Mm. Yeah, people were signing it. People were clamoring for Deadpool to host SNL. So uh, I'm sure that Marvel and the movie studios don't want Ryan Reynolds to take that kind of liberty with the character. Like, I mean, I'm sure they trust him, but they probably don't trust him that much. So uh, they don't want him to do it. Uh-huh. So his response was to come out and do a Kanye West-style rant. Have you heard? Have you heard that? No. Okay. Kanye West did a, a rant backstage at SNL about how nobody respected him, how you know he was better than all these people, and and you know your typical kind of <laughs> kind of stuff. What the hell? <laughs> I'm not Kanye. But uh, people are looking down at him for that. So Deadpool Ryan Reynolds made his own rant that kind of mocks Kanye's rant. Wow. About how he would never do SNL. They didn't want him when he was doing Wolverine Origins. So why why should they want him now? Kind of thing. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, if you're if you're a fan of Deadpool, you're a fan of uh, making fun of Kanye West. I think you'll like it. Nice, <laughs> man. It's out there on the internet. He's having a rough time. He's yeah, broke. Geez. People making fun of him. Taylor Swift dogged him. <laughs> I know you're happy. 
Not the biggest Kanye fan. I know you're not. See, just me. No, okay. So oddly, I am a Kanye fan, and I've <gasps> watched like no, but I'm like I've I've been an apologist, and it's just gotten harder. Like it's just <laughs> my job. Just it it went from like pretty easy on his first two albums, where like everyone was a not everyone, but you know you could be a Kanye fan, and each album and each thing he says just makes his job harder. Like I'm I'm abandoning him, but you know his music's good, but the artist is the jackassiest of jackasses. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> so I totally no, I totally understand it. Like it's hard because I enjoy his music, and then he'll say something like "Bill Cosby's innocent," and I'm like, "What? God, damn it! <laughs> You're on your own. I can't help you." <laughs> Is you a hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the uh, last time, I am not a gay fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I grew up with. Uh, I grew up really hating uh, Puff Daddy because like. I just I was like this guy's an asshole. I don't care how good his music is. Like his public persona, I never listened to Puff Daddy. Like I missed it, but like I saw his public persona, and I was like, I hate this guy. This guy is the absolute fucking worst. And it's funny because like like when Kanye first started off, he's humble and like rapped about like Christianity and like not being materialistic. And I was like, wow, someone with a positive, fun message. And over time, like we've seen how he's skewed towards insane. You know, and so I'm like, man, I guess like Kanye is this generation's puff daddy and I'm just on the wrong side of it. I just remember when he was okay, you know, Yep. So I keep defending like, you know, 15 or 10 years ago, Kanye. And like nowadays, Kanye is like, you know, probably the worst person this side of Shkreli. (laughs) (laughs) Why you need to start listening to Cube and Dre? Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. I don't know. So yeah, it's always kind of funny. I'll post on Facebook. I'll be like, yeah, like like there's a there's an artist actually. The guy did um I think he did some issues of Batgirl, James Harvey, and I'll see him stick up for Kanye because there's something like there's something. It's like the Michael Bay syndrome or like Avengers syndrome when like someone has a shit ton of money and they go and make a thing and you're like, yeah, Michael Bay's probably not the best person <laughs> to decide on that. But like Transformers One or something where you've got a huge budget, you make a huge budget movie and it's actually good and you're like, oh, I see where all the money went, you know. Um, Avengers, we'll use Avengers instead of Kanye, but like for some reason, that's why I always think of Kanye, where it's like, oh yeah, he's got all the power, and of course he made a good product. But you know, it's nice to see someone with all the money making a good product for once. But yeah, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll have like crises of uh, of confidence, and Kanye has so much confidence he can just borrow from him. <laughs> you know? That's one way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to comics because there is a lot of comics talk. Okay. Uh, you remember Tales of the Dark Side? Yes. So they're doing a comic version of that. It's coming to IDW in June. Really? But this is the part that's really going to interest you. Uh, Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez are doing it. No shit. So, oh. oh, I'm picking that up. Yeah. Those are my boys. I know. Oh, I love their run. <laughs> you know? And it's IDW again. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Marvel announced the next Deadpool miniseries. It's going to be Deadpool versus Gambit, and huh. it's being written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker again. That's coming out in June too. Huh. Wait, uh, are their are their names seriously the same except two letters? Yeah, yeah. Wow. They actually host their own podcast uh, called the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Huh. And then they broke into comics from that by writing their own stories based on characters they created on the show, and then uh, got picked up by Marvel, and now they're doing different Marvel books. They've written a few Deadpool things and some of their stuff's been really good. So I'm kind of looking forward to this. Cool. Uh, Marvel also announced that they're doing a comic book version of Star Wars, the force awakens, and that's going to debut in June as well. Chuck Wendig and Luke Ross are the creators on that. Okay. It's like going to be a five issue miniseries. Um, it's not going to be tied into the Poe Dameron solo series. Uh It's going to be like its own thing. Okay. 
So that'll be interesting. Uh, DC has revealed what Rebirth is, and it's essentially going to be their answer to the all-new, all-different Marvel, except really it's kind of like the old, <laughs> all-old, all-the-same DC. <laughs> like, they want to take characters back to their roots. So they're starting over with a bunch of new number ones, but it's going to be like Batman as Batman was pre-New 52 instead of Batman New 52 style. Dude, seriously? I'm... I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, I'm getting really tired of this crap. Uh, <laughs> a, isn't there like a website that it's like number of days since DC is rebooted or something like that? Uh, there has to be. I think there's a joke website like that. Freaking Lemon Marvel. Swear to God, I'm staying with Image. Uh, <laughs> and IDW and there's only There's going to be 32 on. titles that are ongoings that are being rebooted in their uh, old style. Okay. Whatever. Um, there's a big list, but I'm not going to go through them all. You can find that online if you want to. Just give me the one I want to know. Uh, which one? Suicide Squad? Harley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of those. Uh, actually, it's kind of cool. Suicide Squad, I, I did write this one down because I thought it was interesting. Jim Lee is going to be the artist on Suicide Squad in Rebirth. Okay, I'm picking it up. So that could be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happening May 25th. Okay. That's when that starts. Uh, so let's see. DC signed a few exclusive deals. Uh, they signed an exclusive deal with Tom King, stole him away from Marvel. Nice. And Clayman and John Thames. Uh, Oni Press also signed an exclusive deal, which this one I think is pretty awesome. Fialkov. Hey! So, no more image from him. It's all going to be Oni. Nice! You know, I, I read something interesting. Uh, you know, he was actually one of the showrunners on Chicago Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like one of your favorite shows. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Fialkov worked on that. I think it's time we get him back on. Yeah, we can make that happen. Uh, and then the most interesting piece of news from comics this week is that Image is going to be releasing a magazine called Image Plus which is going to come with the previews magazine that comes out every month. You know, the big, thick magazine that shows yeah. all the upcoming titles and stuff. You know, there's always that Marvel insert right. that you can buy separately. The Image is going to do the same thing. Okay. So, like, you can buy the Image Plus magazine for $1.99, or you can just buy it as part of previews, which is, like, $6, I think. Okay. Um, it's going to have previews, interviews, spotlights, editorials, and, most interesting, original content. Oh, wow. Uh, they're going to do comic book stories in the back of there. They're, like, four to five pages each issue that tell an ongoing story that ties into one of their current storylines. So, like, the first one is going to be a 12-issue run. There's, like, four to five stories, and it's going to be the origin story of Negan. Oh! For The Walking oh. Dead. So, nice. if you're a big Walking Dead fan, it's definitely worth picking up these to uh, kind of learn a little bit about... See, that's what I'm talking about, man. Image is taken into new heights, man. They're always trying to find interesting and creative ways to, to do stuff. I mean, if you read um, Eric Stevenson's Comics Pro speech mm-hmm. i mean he always yeah. does like the the big speech yeah uh, to open the the event he talked about that he talked about how the industry was becoming stale that everybody was doing the same things that uh marvel and dc are just reboot after reboot and variant cover after variant cover and image doesn't want to do that they want to tell unique stories that aren't the same kind of thing he said you know the the standard genres like crime and horror and whatnot sci-fi, sci-fi oh. they're all being done to death and unless somebody's doing something different or unique with them, that Image isn't even looking at those kind of books anymore. They want stuff that isn't really being touched. So, like, a lot of the books they've announced recently are, like, romance stories and, uh, like, buddy comedy kind of stuff. They're just trying to find different types of books to put on the market because they feel like it's reaching kind of a, a glut where people are putting out the same kind of stuff. Gotcha. Where does Horse Minions fall on that list? Uh, Horse Minions is kind of its own weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a comedy more than anything else, but... Coming soon to you, hopefully. Yeah. Well, we probably need about another 40 or 50 
issues before we can think about trying to print it, but we're getting close. Why keep on putting my book on the back burner? We don't have enough content to make a, a physical copy yet. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you no more. It'll happen. <laughs> and that's it for news. Okay. So I want to remind everybody to follow us on our social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash comical podcast. On Twitter, I am at comical podcast. I'm at comical podcast too. If you'd like to find Devin, again, you can find him at. Um, you can find me in any bookstore. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm at Devin Craft uh, or Cheshire Cat Art on pretty much anything Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, DeviantArt, all that stuff. Cool. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a five star review if you enjoy it. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. And uh, I think that's pretty much it, guys. So thanks for coming on, Devin. You want to close this out? Keep on laughing, bitches. Perfect. <laughs> now say it in Japanese. Ah, uh, shoot. Um, I don't know how bitches doesn't necessarily uh, translate, <laughs> but uh, let's see. What I don't know Suzukete kudasai. Moshi moshi. Warate. Konnichiwa. Warate bakaero. Let's do that. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs>